Hey, before we're seated, I just want to recognize just what the Lord is doing. So just unscripted. You know, we're back. It's January 10th. And uh, the people of God have, have just sung some beautiful, amazing words. Uh, if you're anything like me, um, especially us guys, we're about two minutes behind every conversation. And if we're not careful, we could be, we could just, we could let this service go and uh, item, item, order to order, almost like a, a, a non-spiritual liturgy. We just, we just let it go. So let's just pause and let our hearts catch up with what we just said, right? So, so brothers and sisters in Christ, we just, we just sang. We, we told God that we're bowing down and we're surrendering. So let's just take a minute and allow our hearts to catch up with what we just said. Maybe there's something that you have yet to, to surrender to the Lord that you're holding on too fast. Let's just take a minute and... And say, Lord, I, actually, I do bow down in that area of my life. Would you help me bow down? Let's just pause. just saying that you lead us you have led us and you're going to continue to lead us lord how would you lead each individual in this room right now lord how would you lead our church we just we just pause and and ask you would your spirit just put something on our hearts and we know you have brought us here for a special purpose. Would you, would you lead us now? So we pause. want to recognize and as a church uh, praise you um, for the the healing and the just the protective ministry that you have placed over the the zinc family and just how refreshing it is to see them back at church after a cancer surgery after covid we've missed them lord and uh, we just just praise you that you have have continued to hold them fast and cause their hearts to swell even further for you and your church. And we thank you for raising up brothers and sisters, for burdening our hearts and um, making impressions upon our minds to remember them and visit them and, and uh, um, reach out to them. And, and uh, just even as I look out across our church, we just praise you for, for a steadying and guiding the Ratliff family. How you've, how you've just given them such joy amidst um, some of their physical sufferings that they've occurred in their life. 
And so we just we just stand proudly this morning and, and proud of our Savior, proud of our Lord who has who has just ministered to us in such great ways. And I just recognize that some are here discouraged, even downcast. Some are are anxious and worried about our our government situation, rightfully so. But we thank you that uh, you're the King of Kings and the government uh, is on your shoulders. And, um, And you are leading and we love your leadership. Just thank you for for this time and for the blessing of 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 the assembly of the saints. Would you speak to us now uh, by your word and by your spirit? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's let's have a seat together. If you would open God's word to the book of Romans this morning, and while you're opening up. Head on over to chapter 8, and let me just say a few things. If you don't know me, um, my name's Mike Newman. I'm uh, one of the elders here. I don't think I see any faces I don't recognize, but um, just, to, just to say it again. Um, it's a joy to bring you God's word this morning. Um, and um, also, just in the spirit of recognizing what he's doing in and amongst us this morning, um, January 10th, this want you to, to um, know a part of our story, uh, the Newman family, um, and especially me. I have two lifelong friends here from middle school and high school. Um, just kind of wave your hands. One of them is Anthony Bonney, and the other one is, um, what's your name again? Um, oh, yeah, that's right, Ken, you know, but uh, Ken's from Wisconsin, um, and we grew up together, and um, Anthony and Ken received Christ uh, in their in their junior high and high school years, and I just had the joy of, of seeing them transfer from darkness into the kingdom of the Son He loves to light, and um, it's it's been a part of just my growing in Christ and and seeing how He transforms hearts and shapes it, and and so we're lifelong friends and. We, we uh, ate a lot of grilled chicken last night at my house, a lot of veggies and uh, whatever. And we, we uh, just prayed for our children that they would have the experience, too, of, of sharing Jesus with their classmates, seeing conversions, and having the opportunity to walk with others throughout the lifetime. And so um, we just... I I say that to send the message like, hey, parents, moms and dads, and and hey, kids, listen up, that that God wants to use you at a young age. And there's a lot of people far from the Lord in your classrooms, on your basketball, baseball, softball, gymnastics classes, teams, whatever, robotics teams, and he wants to use you. And he could... He could buy, because it comes through hearing, when you speak the gospel, he could transform hearts with your friends around you, and he could make lifelong brothers and sisters for you to walk and know Jesus more. And so we're praying for you, and we hope that that happens. 
And that is the, one of the, it's been one of the greatest joys and blessings of my life. So glad you guys are here. Now I'm going to point you to Jesus. So, yeah. Uh, every January, we uh, do a, a series called the Foundation Series. Uh, so um, if you've been with us for a while, you know that we've been in Romans. For Christmas, we paused and looked at the birth of Christ uh, and uh, the ramifications of the gospel. And now for January, we're spending time in what we call foundations, which is a look at the foundations of the gospel, the church, what it means to be a Christian, and uh, what, what does it mean for us to be Christians together in Mainville, Ohio, 45039, right? In 2021 now. And so it's a great chance to uh, return to the vision and ask the questions of, hey, what are we doing here? What is our role? What's our unique niche and calling in the kingdom of God in this community, in this nation, in the globe? And, um, and we just, uh, just like we sang, we look at the word and then we bow down and go, Lord, where are you going to lead us this year? And so it's a chance to um, speak and cast vision also for the year. And so I pray that as we go to the word this morning and that you hear uh, our hearts, that you would um, allow your heart to be shaped and that, that it would uh, impact your love for God and even your calendar and how you live on a daily basis. And so let's, let's begin the conversation and start looking towards how we can allow our life to reflect the person and work of Jesus Christ more. Amen? So that's where we're headed. Let's go ahead and begin, okay? So in the, in the days of the Civil War, uh, an organization um, came to fruition called the uh, Young Men's um, uh, Christian Commission. Um, and it, it spurred or it came from the Young Men's uh, Christian Association, the YMCA, which is a part of our story. We love the Y. We're a church in the Y. We want to plant churches in Ys. We were planted from a church in a Y. And so um, in 1880, uh, 1844, the YMCA was birthed by a guy named George Williams in London, England. And uh, just five years later, um, YMCAs all across Europe, as well as North America, were planted in order to use um, the gym uh, to, in order to, to, to reach the master, like in, in order to like reach men so that they can follow the master. So it was like, hey, let's use the athletic Ministry. Let's use athletics as a platform of ministry so that we can build relationships in the community. Tell them about Jesus and, and uh, introduce them uh, to the word of God. To, to, uh, let's help them um, in, the, in, in discipling them. Let's bring them into the church so that they can love God and others. And, and, uh, and, and as a result of that ministry being birthed, it, it started to spread. Uh, North America experienced a revival uh, between the times of 1857 and 1858. Uh, during the time of the Civil War, 
And um, as a result, the, the people who are ministering to the community in the YMCA said, hey, we need to take this ministry out there. Hey, we're, we're, we're working with people in the gym and we're working with people swimming and telling them about Jesus, but there's people dying out on the battlefield. We need to go out there. And so the YMCA started commissioning people um, to go out on the battlefield. And so, um, so this, this Christian commission was birthed. And uh, amidst the bloodshed, um, it was, it was evident that, that these ministers, both men and women, um, needed to be equipped and equipped quickly to help people's souls on the battlefield. And so um, while the Civil War was happening, these ministers would go to the wounded and almost dead dying on the battlefield, and they would ask them one question. And this question um, came from just um, experience with the result of how to use language in order to quickly communicate and find out where they were spiritually. And so the question uh, was this. And you can just picture it in your mind, you know, a man uh, bleeding gasping for air, being rushed to by one of these ministers and the minister asking this question, is Jesus precious to you? Is Jesus precious to you? Um, if it was answered in the affirmative, yes. Um, uh, that was quickly followed up with prayer and fellowship in their last breaths or uh, accompanying them with stretchers and bringing them to the hospital. Uh, but if it was answered in the negative, like, what? No. Then, then they would present to them the gospel, how to know Jesus, the beauties and glories of God and his display of his love for all mankind that he sent his son Jesus to die, to satisfy the wrath of God and to pay for the sins of man. And you must receive Jesus to be saved. And some would give their lives to Christ before their last breath. And some in their arrogance would suppress the truth and die. This question, is Jesus precious to you? It's a great question to start off our year together, isn't it? Unpack that question a little bit. This question doesn't mean, um, hey, quick, do you give money to the poor? Hey, quick, do you, do you go to church every Sunday? Or do you live a good lifestyle? Or um, do you, do you, are you a good person? But rather it means Jesus, his, his work, both his, his work on earth, uh, his work even now as he sits at the right hand of God, his very person, who he was, who he is, his teachings, what he said to his followers, how to obey him, all of that 
Is that precious to you? Is the way that Jesus lived his life, is that your life? So this question is a high priority uh, for, for Jesus followers. And uh, this, this morning, just even to review our, our language and our vision, we talk about arrows where, where Jesus, he lived his life in such a way where he reached up, that he had a relationship with the Father, he pursued the Father, that he reached inward, that he like um, gathered disciples and he taught men how to follow Jesus. And he, he taught them what it, what it meant to um, live a life that glorified God. He poured into a few. And then also he reached outward, right? He, he wasn't just inclusive, but he, he went to those far from God. He had a heart for the lost, we say. And he lived his life so that others would know God. He reached up and in and, and out. And those lead to just real, real like low-hanging fruit for us Christians. We can say like, hey, just an everyday passing. And when we, when we get together and have lunch together, coffee, we can say things because of how Jesus lived. We can say things like, hey, how's your relationship with the Lord, right? This, this up. Like, hey, how's your prayer life doing? Things like that. Or like in January, we can say things like, hey, what are your New Year's resolutions? Or like, what are some of your goals for how to grow in your faith? Right? Nothing new, nothing fancy, just like just good, simple questions of, of, of walking with Christ. We can ask questions like, hey, inward, hey, do you have a few people in your life who are helping you uh, walk with Christ? You have a few people who you're leaning against, who you can call and say, hey, I'm really struggling today. Hey, I'm really tempted in this area. Hey, would you help me process through this thing with my father-in-law, with my mother-in-law, with my nephew, my niece, my son, my daughter, with my wife? Can you help me grow? And what would Christ do in this situation? Outward questions arise like, hey, do you have anyone in your life that you're praying for on a consistent basis, right? Anything, any, anyone that like you feel like God has placed you in a specific calling, realm, concentric circle, where you could say like, God has me here for a purpose. And that purpose, I'm working here, or I'm studying here, or I'm, you know, so that this person would know the Lord. And I think that God's sending me to tell me about him this year. And I'm really nervous, I'm really, but you know what, that's what I'm praying for every day, right? Those kind of basic questions, right? And um, so this Sunday, this Sunday, we're kind of just carving out or, or talking about the up arrow, how to, how to live your life and glorify God and know him deeper. And then in the next uh, Sundays, we'll talk about like the in and out. Side note, this today, what we're going to study today is not about fasting, okay? But just to like insert it, that if you haven't heard, um, we are starting a community-wide fast with our three other churches, Landon, Antioch, and The Gathering. Don't get freaked out if you've never heard about a fast or, you know, if you're new to the faith or whatever, that's cool. Like, this isn't some Navy SEAL Christian path or like some cult, okay? Jesus often spoke about um, growing in your relationship with him. And he says, hey, like he always teamed two verbs, praying and 
fasting. And fasting has to do with like food, really. And so he, con- he was concerned about your prayer life and your body. And he said that sometimes when you pray, go without food so that when you experience hunger pains, you go to God. So it's in essence, you start hungering for God when you're physically hungry. And uh, there's a couple different strategies. We won't go into it. But if you would, when you head on out the doors, um, when uh, our time together is over, there's a couple handouts on fasting. There's a video on fasting um, on our on our uh, social media pages. Uh, there's articles on our website. But like, just would you start praying about if, if the Lord would have you fast with us? And guess what? If you're totally new, if you've never fasted before, you're like, I don't know what that means. Da, da, da. The body of Christ loves to help people and talk to you about things like this. And guess what? If we never talk about it, we'll never do it. So we want to start talking about it. Okay. All right. So that was the side note. Today's sermon, uh, going along with the up, rare, up arrow, is on scripture memory and meditation. Okay, so if today, uh, if the title of the sermon was kind of a title of, of, of a book, or if you're like looking at a book cover, we could say the title is Life and Peace. Would you want to read that book? Mm-hmm. And the subtitle would be something like this, Making Jesus Precious to You Through Scripture Memory and Meditation. Making Jesus precious to you through scripture memory and meditation. And so the the verse that we're going to focus on especially today is from Romans chapter 8, verse 6. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to that book. And let me read it for you, okay? We're going to spend some time in this particular verse. This could be called like the verse of the year for our church. Here it is. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Comma. Are you with me? Just doing a little pause, not for dramatic effect, but just for you to catch up with us. There we go. A couple more pages I hear turning. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. That's our verse. Okay, so like, what if I came up to you in conversation and went totally deep, like really quickly, okay? And like forgot all the niceties and all the greetings. And I just went up and said, hey, you, hey, would you be interested in experiencing life and peace? Would you be interested in that? Like, what, what would your responses be? Would that be an, a, an attractive thing? Would those concepts kind of catch your mind and be like, oh, yeah, 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 I'd be interested in the answer to that. Hey, life and peace, you interested? Would you go like this? Eh, not really. <laughs> That'd be kind of a crazy response, right? Would you want to hear the path that brings life and peace. So I'm not going to make up anything, but I've got the path. 
And it's right here in this verse. Everyone look at me. The path to life and peace is this. You must set your mind on the things of the spirit. That plain. It's crazy, isn't it? Like the Christian life, we talk a lot about pursuing God and loving him in our heart. But it is very Christian to speak of pursuing God in the mind. This is not just like a Hindu thing or an intellectual thing. God is very concerned about your thoughts. He loves it when you pursue him with the mind. So the big question is, what does it mean to set your mind on the things of the spirit? Does it always you know, mean that I must be thinking about spiritual things? Let's talk about this, okay? Let's go just phrase, phrase, phrase at a time, word, 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 okay? Let's talk about to set, to set, okay? Kind of funny, but like if you would read the original language, there actually is no verb provided to set. The literal translation is this. The mind of flesh is death, but the mind of or by the spirit is life and peace. That's a Newman translation. That's kind of weird, right? So translators are tapes written a long time ago in Greek. Reading the, the, the force of the language and translating or interpreting it into English so that we can catch the meaning of it. And so um, if you would just say the mind of the spirit, just like I am son of Steve or um, this paper, this is um, a paper of Pastor Mike's. There is an idea already, even without the verb of a, a, a possessive nature, the mind of the spirit. The spirit, we could say, uh, has possession of the mind or owns the mind, if indeed you have the spirit. That would give the connotation that the, spirit's, the spirit is the master over the mind. Uh, this is why the NIV, if you're reading the New uh, International Version, translates it like this, um, to be controlled or governed by the Spirit. So the mind that is controlled by the Spirit, dot, 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 or, or governed, like there's an authoritative ministry of. But if you're following uh, in ESV, which is the translation that we're preaching out of, the ESV says to set, which would, would lead the, the believer not to react like this. NIV, to be controlled or governed. If I'm owned by the spirit in my mind, does that mean that I passive um, response to walking with God in my mind? If he is the master, he's in control. Do I have to do anything or I just kind of let him do stuff? And so the ESV translators went, I think for the reader, we need to say to set, to capture that idea that the believer must be determined in the 
mind. Or we could say resolved in the mind. If, if the spirit is my master, then I'm resolved in the mind to be thinking about the spirit. Did you catch it? I think that's what is good here in the language. And it fits even for January as people, as Dave said, are making resolutions. God through spirit, through Romans 8, 6 would say to be resolved. To set a course to have your mind be fixated, controlled, governed on the spirit. To have a fervor or a yearning to think about the spirit to set. All right, Newman, what does it mean, though, to set um, your mind? So this, I would say, is not as much as to just make up your mind and be determined to. But he's saying to set and occupy your mind with the content of the spirit. And don't just do it once, but to be thinking about in a continuous manner the things of the spirit. So there's a training aspect within your mind on how to walk with God. So the simple question would be, ready? Hey, what you thinking about? Right? We have, we've, uh, we've said this a number of times. It is worth repeating, okay? Um, whatever is on your mind is the thing or things that you um, hold as precious. So uh, if I asked you, what are the things that you think about first in the morning? Those are the things that you love. Or uh, in early America, they would say, those are the things that you're affectionate about. Your affections would be on what you are thinking about. That's Jonathan Edwards. That's what would be most precious to you, okay? Now, again, don't, don't get all weird on me, okay? Like, everyone wakes up, needs to be thinking about a couple things. Hey, I got to brush my teeth, Right? And I need to use the restroom and like do just the, I need to get dressed. Like don't be Christians that are so crazy spiritual that like you walk out the door still in your pajama pants, okay? But what we are saying is that if the things on your mind immediately go to tasks that you have to accomplish, your heart's affections are communicating that you love to be a person that accomplishes things and you find your very worth identity in doing stuff and if in your mind <clears throat> there's no spiritual things at all then we have a heart problem that's why all throughout the scriptures you see men and women they wake up and what do they do they walk with god early in the morning that's what moses did he woke up and he talked prayed communed with god he rose early in the morning. That's what he did. So it's a occupancy of the mind. All right, Newman. Okay, to set. 
Your mind, what am I supposed to be thinking about? It says on the spirit. Okay, so this would be, and you guys are doing a great job. We're, we're going slow and we're going, trying to go deep on what the Bible means. If we're going to do this, we've got to understand it. So let's tell it. What does it mean to set your mind on the spirit? And I would say this is uh, spiritual things or things that matter to the spirit. Okay, so friends, brothers and sisters, set your minds on the things of the spirit, of the spirit, like spiritual things that God through his spirit is concerned about. So what does God love? Like what his nature and life? Like I would say the things that are eternal, if you're taking notes, like anything that fits under the umbrella of spiritual things. That's what this verse is talking about. Okay. So does that mean, Mike, that I can't like talk about the football game with my buddies? Like, does that mean like, I can't like get into plants and figure out. He's like, no, 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 no. Like God loves for you to enjoy things. Like we want to be balanced people, but what we want is we want the spirit, spiritual things to be occupying our mind and to be at the center of things. So that when you're um, at the ball game with your friends, when you're sitting with parent watching your kids play hockey or whatever, when you're working on things at home or whatever, that your mind is on the, you are concerned about the things of the spirit. You're talking about it. It's your life. It's who you are. It's what you want to know. It's how you want to grow. So what are the things of the spirit and so I think just in short, just to be clear, the slam dunk answer would be the things of the spirit are the teachings of the scripture and its applications. Okay. So how is the gathering going to set their minds on the things of the spirit, like the teachings of the scriptures, its applications, spiritual things this year? How are we going to do it? Are we going to come up with something new and cool? Our answer? Among, among several things, you heard Joe say that we are going to do a hymn a month. That's for you to love God and to uh, memorize the poetry and the melody that has had a long life in the church so that you can um, go to him. We're going to continue our reading plan, but we are going to insert um, this, the, the importance of memorizing portions of the scriptures. Okay. And still, I know some of you are still like, Newman, you're still not landing the plane in clarity for application. Just tell me the homework assignment. Tell me what to do. And I'm not going to do it yet because I still have time in the sermon, and I still want to woo you to the value and importance of memorizing the scripture. So go ahead, turn to the left in your Bibles to Psalm 119. It's a great passage of scripture. We're going to go through a couple of the verses, not the whole chapter. 
119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Let your eyes go down to verse 9. Psalm 119, verse 9. It says this. How can a young man keep his way pure? Many of you have this verse memorized. How can a young man keep his way pure? What is the answer? It says, by guarding it according to your word. So if you're taking notes, what does Psalm 119 teach us about the value of memorizing the scriptures? Number one, memorizing scripture keeps you pure. Hey, do you want to live a pure life? Memorize scripture. Isn't that strange? The Bible teaches us that there is a direct connection between reading, memorizing, and meditating on scripture and living a pure life. Do you want to be pure before the Lord? Then you must immerse yourself in the Bible. <clears throat> Do you want to see God this year in 2021? Jesus would say this, blessed are the, that's right, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If we said the opposite, if your vision is distorted, you're not pure. Do you want to live a pure life? Do you want to see God? Then you must be in the scriptures so that the power of the scriptures can guard your very life in its purity. Amen? Dads with daughters, is that attractive to you? Right? Will that shape your time with them? Does that fuel your parenting? Absolutely. Psalm 119, 10 and 11. So value, number one, was memorizing scripture keeps you pure. Watch these two verses. Ready? With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Value number two, memorizing scripture keeps you from sin. Isn't that strange? There is a direct connection, actually not indirect, a direct connection between reading, memorizing, and meditating on the scriptures and not sinning. So this, the counsel from the scriptures is true and simple. Do you want to sin less? Not do you want to be sinless? Hear me out. There's a space in between there. Do you want to sin less? Then you must hide God's word in your heart. Look at Psalm 119, 12 through 16. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the ways of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Value number three, 
Number two is memorizing scripture keeps you from sin. Number three is this. Memorizing scripture causes delight in God. That's what it does. It causes you to delight in him. That's one way to say it. The author of Psalm 119 said it like this. Being devoted to not forgetting the scriptures. That's how he, he, he verbalizes it. He, he shapes his words in such a way to say, if you're devoted to not forget the scriptures, it will cause you to open your lips and sing praises to God and delight in him. How about that? In a world of government craziness, your pastor is saying, devote yourself to not forgetting the Bible so that you will worship him and your lips will open up and you can't help but delighting in God. Imagine if that would just infiltrate our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Do you want these things in your life? Do you want to be pure? Do you want to delight in God? Do you want to be, to not be sinless, but do you want to sin less this year? I'm telling you, it's not a quick fix. But I promise, because this is a promise in the scriptures that if you set your mind continuously on the things of the spirit, you will grow in Jesus Christ and you will hold him more precious every day. And God will give you the grace to continue to pursue him. All right, let me play devil's, devil's advocate with myself, okay? Here's the anticip anticipated question. All right, does Jesus agree with everything that you've said so far, Newman? Would Jesus align with all that? Or, is, or are those just cool verses and like Romans and like really old literature psalms? Does Jesus think that? Because if he didn't live his life in such a way as to memorize scripture and meditate on them and pray with them and through them, then I don't know if that really should be a, 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 a discipline, a, a, a part of my life. I'm not sold yet, right? So I'm, I'm kind of going, I'm just piercing in the heart and going, do I really believe this yet? Am I with what is being said yet? When Jesus came on the scene and he went into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days, he was tempted by the evil one, the adversary, Satan. And Satan tempted him in different ways. And every time you read it, read it, Jesus goes, as it is written. And then guess what? He quotes the book of Deuteronomy. Are you kidding me? Who can fight sin and who can walk with Jesus by quoting the book of Deuteronomy in this room? Exactly. Me neither. I mean, like, I kind of know like a verse or two here or there. But this brother, brother, Jesus, knew 
Deuteronomy. So much so that he used it to guard his own soul against the evil one. To not be tempted. To attack sin. To walk with his father. He had it memorized. It was right on his lips. When he went to the cross, he was quoting scripture came from him. He held the father precious. And one of the ways he did that was by hiding his words in his heart. And it occupied his mind and it came out his mouth. That's our Jesus. Are you sold yet? Are you there with me yet? All right. Now don't get scared. Okay. Don't get intimidated. We're going to walk with you in this process, but I'm going to now land the plane to answer the question. How are we going to do this as a church in 2021? Okay. We're going to memorize Romans eight. Now we said it in November, but we're saying it again. Let's memorize a big old chunk of scripture. Not a verse here or there, although that is awesome. That's a great path to do. Navigators has a great topical memorization system. But if you have never, never memorized a portion, a chunk of the Bible, we said earlier, buckle up because you are, you're going to get blessed like crazy by doing this. It's a little scary, but I know you can do it. Movie actors memorize whole scripts. Ours, Christians, can memorize a chapter. Okay? So, um, we, we've, we've laid out Romans in such a way for you to do a, a verse a week. It'll take you all the way into October. In our hearts, we are praying for you to walk with God. Is that if you, this year, would like... If you get cut, that out from your flesh would ooze and bleed Romans 8. (laughs) As you walk about your day, as you rise up and as you lay your head down at night, as you eat and converse, that Romans 8 would not be forgotten in your conversations. That it would occupy your mind that you would love Jesus more as a result of delighting in the gospel in Romans 8. Romans 8 is called the crest of scripture, the crown jewel of the Bible. If the government takes away our Bibles, I want our church to contribute to the larger church Christendom and say, hey, don't worry, church. Our church has got Romans 8 memorized. We'll contribute that to the scriptures so that we don't lose them. Okay? Are you with me? Let's do it. So, in efforts to be super practical, in a prayer not to be ultra controlling, or like to, I'm going to try to just picture what this may look like tomorrow morning as you wake up. Okay? So please don't receive this as over-authoritarian, Um, For you rule followers, type A, receive this as an idea, not like our pastors, like saying, I got to do this. Okay, so this is just what it could look like. 
But we have to go here in order to help people follow Jesus, okay? So tomorrow morning, wake up and brush your teeth, okay? And pick out your favorite chair to sit in and go sit down. Take your phone with you, take your Bible with you, take your journal with you. And don't get on Facebook. Don't check your texts. Don't check your email first. Go to the Lord first, not social media. And hit like whatever music platform you like, Amazon Prime or YouTube or whatever, and type in, he leadeth me. If you ever like feel like your, your walk with the Lord is a little dry, you immediately open the Bible and be like, what should I read? Like, here's just a plan. Type in, he leadeth me. Put your headphones in and start learning it and sing in the morning. And ask this question, Lord, would you lead me this morning? Would you be the guider and the governor of my day? And watch the Holy Spirit start to move in your life. He's going to start bringing things to mind. He's going to recall things that you need to, to do and live and be like. All right, so listen to, he leadeth me. Take out your reading plan and answer one question in it. And look it up the verse, write it in your journal, and set your mind on the things on the Spirit, like the scriptures, okay? And then, before you get out of your chair, go, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. And go to Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Read it. Look up. Go, therefore, there is, uh, look down. Therefore, there is no uh, condemnation. Look down. Work on it. Work on it. Set your alarm for lunchtime. Have the alarm say, it's Romans 8.1. It goes off. You're with your buddy at lunch. And you're like, oh, this is awkward. And then you go, hey, uh, my alarm's going off. What's that alarm? Well, it's my Romans 8 alarm. What does that mean? Oh, it's where I uh, memorize. Uh, you want to hear it? Sure. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There, I did it. You know? Okay, cool. You want to talk about it at all? Not really. Okay, let's do it next week then, right? Like, that's the kind of stuff. That's where God uses his people. If you just step up to the plate and swing, give it a shot. You can do it. Try it. And watch what happens. I'm coming full circle. You will experience the abundant life in Jesus Christ. If you are at war between your two ears in your mind, it won't be immediate, but you will begin to think biblical thoughts. You'll be walking with a friend at the Y around the track. She'll share something. He'll share something. And instead of worldly wisdom, guess what will come to mind? Romans 8. It happens Every time I memorize scripture. And that's how it's supposed to be. And guess what? You will start living what is called the abundant Christian life. You will experience life if you do this. If there is anything that I've overstated this morning, I pray that the Lord would shave that off the top. I pray I'm not understating the commands and call of Jesus. I 
pray that he would take my words, my flawed words, and cause them to go in your ears, travel the 18 inches of your heart, plant that seed, and that it would occupy your mind this week so that you would set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Let's bow our heads. Worship team, would you come up? And the worship team is going to lead us in a song called Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. This is a, an older hymn of the faith. This hymn was chosen this time because it says these words, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. We don't want you to just sing them. Would you ask while it's being sung, Lord, how can I follow you and hold you more precious this year? Would you have me follow this path of life and peace? Lord, would you, would you call me to memorize scripture with my church? Lord, Romans 8, that's scary. That's a lot. I've never done that. I promise when you look back on 2021, this could be the greatest thing you have ever done this year. You look back and said, that's the year I hid God's word in my heart. And I loved him and I held my savior more precious. So let me pray and we'll sing together. So we trust you, Jesus. We trust how you lived, how you crafted out and planned our days, how you know the number of hairs on our head and how you long for us to follow you more closely. Would you help us? Would you help us hold you more precious? We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand with us? Let's sing together.